0: Welcome to Everything Life Coaching. I'm John Kim.
1: And I'm Noelle Cordeau. We are the founders of Lumia.
0: And we're super passionate about all things coaching, and we want to share what we've learned from over a decade of coaching and training thousands of life coaches.
1: Let's dive into the science and magic of coaching. Hello, and welcome to Everything Life Coaching. This is Noelle today because I have a special guest, one of our instructors, my friend, and a really amazing coach whose story I'm super excited to highlight. Deanna Moffitt, how are you today?
0: I am doing fantastic,
1: my friend. Glad to be here. Thank you for joining us. This is going to be a really fun episode. We are going to pull back the curtain. A day in the life of a transformative coach. How cool is that? diving in here. Um, and I'm, I'm pulling up my own popcorn because I don't think I know a little bit about your origin story. Mm-hmm. And I always think of you as someone who's really expert at using storytelling to demonstrate the arc of triumph and transformation. And I'd love to take a deep dive. Can you tell us about yourself um, and how you started your coaching business? How did you become the coach you are today?
0: All right, boy. You, but I hope you've got a large box of popcorn there, Noel. you ready I for do. That? I do. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> I'm going to take you way, way back. Awesome. And this is when I was in Portland, Oregon, and I was working as an IT project manager. Wow. My soul was being dripped out dry. Now, I, I'm going to s- take you so far back and tell you that my very first project was actually putting computers on people's desks. Yes. <laughs> so so th- I'm, that's how far back it was. Um, and I I was really good at what I did. I was great at building teams. And I was great at creating a, and a belief that people could do what they thought was going to be difficult or hard. Hmm. But building teams was something that I loved doing, um, and but my soul—that was not the job that my soul wanted to have. And I was getting paid really well, and you know I had a house. But I started doing improv on the side, and that I loved it doing. And I did that for a couple years in Portland, Oregon, and um, had a partner at the time, and he. I bought a house, and like literally six months later, he goes, "I'm going to move to Chicago," and I was like, "What? <laughs> I, can't, I can't move to Chicago now." But we were both doing improv, and I said, "Well, you know, you go out there and figure figure yourself out, and I'll see what happens." And he was out there for about six months, and he was patching things together. And I thought, "Oh my gosh!" And truthfully, I said, "If that dumb dumb can do it, I, I can do it." <laughs> so there you go. I ended up quitting my job, selling my home because I had bought it myself. Using the um, the equity on that house, I moved to Chicago and just completely turned my life around. And went from a very corporate world at the tender age of thirty six. Now, if you know anything about improv in Chicago, the average age is about twenty four years old. Mm. But I come in, you know, with you know a history of doing in the corporate world, and I started taking classes. And I realized that business background was really helpful. Because what I didn't know was there's a whole world of corporate comedy. And you know, you're hired to go into companies and organizations, and you're hired to come in and facilitate, doing improv, showing how what we did on the stage was directly applicable to everybody, especially leaders. You know, No one has a script. So how do you really stay present and listen to someone else? How do you value other people's ideas, which is all that we were doing when we were performing improv. And so I started my facilitation using those skills, using the improv skills. And I had a great time. I traveled all over the world. I lived on cruise ships for like 18 months of my life. Um, But ultimately, I was not a Midwestern Chicago girl. And I knew I wanted to come back to the West Coast. So I came to Los Angeles, moving out to Los Angeles with the same partner. Uh, About three weeks after arriving here, that whole relationship imploded. Oh, and that's okay. It turned out to be the best, I think for him and I, but at the time it was really scary and painful. I uh, wasn't coming, planning on moving to LA without a second income, but I had to figure things out. And I was now doing not only improv facilitation, but I was working for companies that I was coming into and in using their content to facilitate for large companies all over the place. Right. So I, I met John Kim at a CrossFit box. You know I remember friend, that too. yeah
1: yep. because I, I I actually know exactly where that is in Los Feliz yeah. and 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 aside it blew my mind that there is such a thing as corporate comedy Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, just the term alone broke my brain. I recovered. We're back. And please proceed. So for right. for for those of you who don't know, I don't know how you would know if you're listening to this podcast, John Kim is my friend, my business partner. Uh, he was the one who who kicked off the business that is now Lumia all the way a million years ago. And mm-hmm. you all were doing CrossFit.
0: Yeah. And he was running these groups in the CrossFit box called Mindset Classes for the Athletes. I, you know, I'm not ever sure I considered myself an athlete, but I was really interested in psychology and so would go to these classes. And I think after about the third or fourth one, he goes, Yeah, and I also have a life coaching school. And I was like, What? <laughs> I, re- I wasn't even sure what life coaching was. But because I'd spent now so much time doing corporate facilitation, I thought it would just be another great tool to have in the toolbox. And so, you know, I went through it and it was, you know, it was one of the earliest iterations. And I, can't, I think we had what, maybe six facilitators, eight facilitators at the time. Yep. Yep. We, I never went and had a peer coaching session. Like after I graduated and, and John, you know, and we were friends and he goes, well, what'd you think Deanna? And I said, boy, John, I don't know. I said, you know, I think you have a therapist background. I could stand in front of a thousand people. And talk really comfortable, but I didn't know how to sit across from one person mm. and have a coaching conversation. And I said, I think you really need to have a class on questioning. I I remember him saying, Oh, that's interesting. Well, would you teach that?
1: Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> and I was like, I've never even had a client, John. He goes, Ah, you'll figure it out. Then I think because he knew a little bit about my background in facilitation and my background on improv, you know where you you kind of just say yes, before you think you're ready. I said, yes. And I'm so glad I did.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. And so, you know, fast forward better part of a decade later. Yeah. um,
0: (laughs) And with your, I mean, let's be real with your coming in.
1: (laughs) Build the company, you know, um, uh, it's, uh, you know, fast forwarding kind of thinking about that journey. I think you know, first of all, thank you for for sharing your story of of all of the different twists and turns along the way. And I think that the stories of of how we arrived at becoming a coach are really important because a lot of people circle the space for a really long time and a lot of people also, work adjacent to this space as you did as a trainer before really diving in and getting their their feet and their claws into um, their own practice. Um, so what was the turning point for you? When did you begin to look at yourself as a coaching practitioner and make this shift towards a group and client-based practice?
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think I, I, for my own authenticity, I reached a point where I could no longer just teach the class without having some of my own experience to bring into the room. And I was going into companies and facilitation and I realized I had just so many missed opportunities of just telling the participants of whatever room I was in that I'm also a coach. And the moment I started doing that, well then I had people coming up after to, after me, you know, and wanting to talk to me about the possibilities and so that was how I got my first clients. Was was the simple act of just starting to tell people that I was a coach.
1: Yeah. And, um,
0: yeah. I often say that you know, our our clients are all around us. Mhm. And I had someone tell me, and I love this analogy that, you know, simply using social media without any kind of other connections is kind of like going into a bar, standing up on it in a really crowded bar and saying, I'm single and I want (sighs) to date someone in here. (laughs) (laughs) And everyone looks at you like, oh, okay. Versus sitting at the bar and just turning to the person next to you and having a great conversation
1: and i yeah, i think
0: yeah. that for me is is really was ha- just starting to have conversations with people
1: yeah i mean and at the same time going into a bar and like standing up and announcing that you're single and you'd like to date might be a very effective tactic i for sure oh my gosh yes. I mean
0: I know plenty of people who are super (laughs) successful doing
1: that for sure. In dating or on social media? (laughs) On social media as person. I really do. Like I have a couple of people.
0: But it wasn't for me. That just wasn't necessarily my game. Um, and so for me, it's been it's been a process, I think, of experimentation all the way through and you know, trying things out. I've tried so many things. But that's the fun part of it for me. I'm not afraid to fail. I think I'm more afraid of not trying Mm. to see what will happen.
1: And absolutely. And, you know, where my brain is going is is in the similarities between us. Um, Mm. I had a really similar start with my coaching practice. Uh, When I went through coaching certification, it was 12 years ago. And at that time, coaching as a concept was still in its infancy. So when you and John and I were, were kicking around um, in the in the olden early days, not many consumers had an idea of what coaching was, what it would be like to hire a coach, what it could be like to work with a coach. And At the same time, I was also studying applied positive psychology, which combined with coaching, I might as well have been an alien as far Mm -hmm. as, you know, what, what the public's consciousness was as far as, you know, what this is. And I began giving little talks And lectures anywhere I could. I spoke to women's cancer survivor groups. I spoke to um, administrative staff at universities. I went to all of the different salons and spas in my area and said, hey, do you want to have a speaker for women? And every time I did that and I mentioned that I was a coach, it was the juicy nuggets of what I was talking about combined with access to me as a human that somebody would come up to me and say, hey, I could, my mother, my father, my brother, my sister could maybe benefit from talking to you. And that was how I very slowly built my practice. Um, I also did improv in college. Oh, I did not know this, Noelle. I did. I did. And what really resonated with me about what you shared is this idea of doing something before you know how it's going to turn out. Mm. Uh, I actually started with improv when I was in high school competitively. And then I did it in college as well. And I don't know that I had so critically thought about how those early experiences combined with the curiosity of coaching might have shaped me Mm. into a person that takes action without knowing exactly how it's going to turn out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that that that's a wonderful connection. And I'll be real. I wasn't always like that, you know I didn't i I didn't go and do improv, like I said until I was thirty six. I was very much conditioned to get out of school, and I didn't even go to college right away. My, I went to college because my workplace paid for it. You know, my parents were like, as soon as you get out of high school, you got to get a job. Mm. And I was paying my mom rent at eighteen years old. Because that was just the the ethos of our family of like, oh, no, no, we're a working family. This other stuff isn't for you. So, so the idea of going off and doing something completely different really was challenging my own thought process and what I thought how the rules really worked for me.
1: Mm, yeah, coaching did that for me because it was so out of the norm. Mm -hmm. of I, you know, it doesn't really happen anymore, but, um, over the decade and change that I've been in this space, I've had so many people tell me that my livelihood is not a real thing. And I'm like, okay, (laughs) you know, cool. (laughs) Great. Thanks. Um, and you know, it, it, it truly is. So, Mm -hmm. you know, fast forwarding, taking that, pulling that lens, um, all the way out and thinking about Improv, how you practice your journey. I know that, um, from the vantage point today of of a successful coach, you're writing a book. Mm-hmm. You run groups. Mm-hmm. Um, how else do you practice as a coach? Where has your story led you?
0: I you know, I think for me, there is this wonderful mix of I loved performing. But I also know coaching is not about me, so it's this, you know, dichotomy of a part of it is I love speaking, so I created a whole program which the book is based on, called the Rewrite, which is all about rewriting those core false narratives of who we think we are that are often, you know, we often create in our trauma, or they are given to us through our our family handbook as that's passed down, and. Um, so I, I speak. I continue to do workshops in the corporate space. I do um, one-on-one coaching with executives, and now I have I teach, and I also have a community called Goal to Coach for coaches that are coming out of coaching school and want to, you know, continue learning. It's an educational place where I offer workshops once a month. And they can, you know, we talk about the aspects of building their business. I'm really big. I had an experience when I got out of coaching school and I was on LinkedIn and someone got a hold of me and, um, offered me this packages program. And now it's such a great story. But at the time, I I think I had a little shame about it, but I spent $15,000 to help have this person help me build my business. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's a it's a great story now. Um, But and I think, you know, I think for many people who followed his program, it probably worked. But his program was all about social media, getting Mm -hmm. on social media, making sure you're dropping in DMs. And that is just not where I want to spend my energy. So it was a good, good, painful lesson um, that I now understand that there's a lot of different ways you can build your business. And I really do believe it's through the conversations you have, whether they're online or offline, on a stage, through a book, through a, a website or through your blog, it's all part of the conversation and trying to figure out what's my methodology of having conversations with people.
1: Mm, that's super interesting. And what I, I, so first of all, I have had Um, several Lumia students have been part of your goal to coach program who have told me that they've benefited and how great it is. So kudos. Um, and what I think is super fascinating about what you're doing right now is really drilling down on not only a specific part of being a coach, but a specific part of, of being a human. Mm. How do you manage and how do you set about um, your conversational methodology with intention in order to create a specific outcome? Yeah. What have you discovered? Yeah. Tell, tell us what you know. <laughs> well,
0: for me, you know, part of it is I, again, I believe that our clients are all around us. They're probably already people who know you, like you, and trust you everyone has something they want to create or build or do differently and if you're willing to be in conversation with someone and then if you really think you can help them can you just say i think i can help you with that would you like to have a conversation about it you know <laughs> you don't you don't i there's lots of people who have very specific niches you know be in a space where those people are i don't really have a specific niche I know I help people rewrite their stories, but I know that everybody has a story that needs to be written on, rewritten on some level, right? Um, and I, I find that, again, being present and being with someone as they're sharing and just offering, is that something you want help with? I think I can help you. Are you interested? That's, that's it. <laughs> and then you start. So for me, like if someone comes to my website, a lot of people will offer discovery calls. I actually offer a coaching session for free for 30 oh, cool. minutes. And anyone can come to my website. I'm, now I'm saying that. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> but I, I do that because, one, I love coaching. I love coaching more than discovering things, I guess. And two, what it does is it allows people to get a taste of what coaching might be like.
1: Yeah, I I have a really similar process. I I guess I don't think of it, um, and I don't market my practice. It's it's word yeah. of mouth only. But um, I I usually sit and talk with someone, yeah, and really just talk with someone about who they are, what they need, you know, where they're going to go, and um, I explain the way that I work, which is a little unconventional um, as a feminist coach. And I do colonized mind work. And then if I feel that I can really help someone, I tell them that with Mm -hmm. absolute sincerity. It is not a sales pitch in any way. It is me being honest. And if I don't think that I can help someone, I also tell them that. Because that's also true that not every coach and client are meant for each other. And it's not good for either party if we're trying to engage in a relationship that isn't clicking on all of the mm-hmm. different levels. That's really cool.
0: And-, yeah. and what can I say? I mean, I think when we're n- new coaches and we're first starting out, I think our you know our goal is we got to get clients. We got you know, to figure this stuff out. And I think that there is a space for that. And I understand that. But boy, have I learned that I've got to be just as excited about the potential of this client as the client has in me. Like it does have to be a mutual (laughs) love affair between, you know, and on a client level of like, I I want to be inspired and excited about this with this person as well. Otherwise it is exhausting.
1: Yes. And that is such an important message for, for coaches is that you matter, your spirit matters, your, energy matters, the way you feel in session with someone matters, that we we don't have to margar ourselves on the hill of faulty interpersonal dynamics, um, mm. <laughs> for <laughs> lack of a better term, right? <laughs>
0: right, right. It's so, hard to know that in the beginning, though, I think. It,
1: it, wow. It, it's, it's so human-specific. I think about it like a first date. Like you, for me, I know right away.
0: Right. Oh, I do too. Oh, what I'm saying, it's hard to know, to kind of trust that.
1: Oh, yeah. In the oh, beginning, yeah.
0: you just want clients. You just want clients. But it's hard. And so I, I give, you know, grace and space for someone to think, I, I just got to say yes to, you know, and, and think I can help everybody. But that's, that's how you that's
1: learn it. too. Yeah. Is like oh, when sure. you have those client engagements and, and you're in the room and you're like, this feels wonky. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that personal dial that says, okay, maybe we need to try something different next time. Yeah. So I, I know that one-on-one coaching is a limited part of your practice. And one of the things that you do, um, quite a bit is, is run groups mm-hmm. for you. What's the energetic difference between mm-hmm. a one-on-one and a group?
0: Well, um, one-on-one is is really um, present. You know, I, I practice really deep presence with my one-on-one clients, and so I, I went through a time during the pandemic where a lot of my other work had kind of slowed, or it was switching over to virtual. So I really ramped up with my clients, and I was exhausted by the end of the day. Um, And I'm sure everyone who practice real presence and with their clients has a tendency to feel that. And so when I started doing group coaching, I just saw the magic of people being in community with other people and being seen not just by me, but three, four, five, six other people, 10, you know, 10 people in a group. And that there is a growth expansion in community that is a little bit different than it is one-on-one. And certainly there might be more, an idea of more speed that can happen on a one-on-one, but I'm not even sure that's true. (laughs) I, I think there is an element of being able to come in and share both the wins and the struggle with a group of people who so clearly have each other's back that can feel powerfully affirming and be a great catalyst for moving forward.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I uh, I work with coaches myself, um, mm-hmm. and I'm also part of a group. I'm part of a group coaching experience. And for me, what happens is um, there's a lot of freedom as a client in a group coaching experience because I get to take my own brain offline Mm -hmm. a little bit. And I learn so much by observing the strategy of other people that I really like and respect and hearing the way that everybody else might look at a problem. And I don't feel a pressure to perform in those environments because, as you said, everybody really has their each other's back, and it, it's such um, a great equalizer and comfort. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, as we're thinking about, okay, you know, you can do a lot of things with coaching. Your journey has been. Um, Extraordinary, from IT to improv to cruise ships to corporate comedy to training. I know you do appreciative inquiry. I know you took the time to become an expert in positive psychology, um, teaching for Lumia, and you know launching your own diverse practice. What does a typical day look like for you?
0: Well, I think a typical day does not look very typical. I don't, I know <laughs> this this question. I've really created a life that I love, first of all, mm. let me just say that. And part of the reason that I love it is it is it allows me to be diverse in the sense of like, you know, one thing I didn't touch on was that I, you know, teach storytelling. And mm. so like I have a workshop that's coming up with a a dear friend who runs a nonprofit. She wants her board to go through something. So, a lot of it is my day is I, spine, I spend time being creative, whether that is creating new workshops, new offerings. I'm having conversations with people about possibilities. Like I had a, a a conversation with a friend of mine today that she's looking to create something new, wanted to know if I wanted to come on board with it. I don't have a day... That is this is what my day looks like every day. I, I wake up, I you know, brush my teeth, get dressed. I walk my dog. I have breakfast. I plan out a little bit what my day looks like. And you know, right now with writing the book, there's usually time for writing. There's time for creation, and there's time for community.
1: Mm. And
0: I feel so, so fortunate, having been in the corporate world until I was thirty six years old. I don't think I could have ever imagined when I was in my thirties that I would ha- be able to create this for myself, mm. and I feel very, very grateful that I let go of what i what I thought the world was supposed
1: to look like. oh yes, I'm so glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yes. That
0: was a really deep, me too, Noel. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, the synergies are, are extraordinary. I jumped out of, of my own matrix when I was 36. Um, mm-hmm. I jumped out of, of not corporate life, but academic life. Um, and I, I came over to play in the sandbox, um, with John at Lumia because it needed more structure and, mm-hmm. you know, never in my wildest dreams did I imagine, um, that I'd end up, you know, building an organization based on coaching tenets. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, my typical day is, is, is pretty similar. I do, I do writing. um, I plan out my day, I walk my dog. And then from there on out, it's all about community, which Mm -hmm. I I think is um, one of the unseen hallmarks of coaching writ large, that it's just, that's it's such a big part of it. So You've given us some beautiful little seeds of what you do. You um, you run workshops on storytelling. You have gold to coach for folks who are, are, are becoming themselves as a coach. You do your one-on-ones with executives. Is there anything that we're missing that people need to know uh, to find you if they need support in different arenas?
0: Well, I'll be doing I probably won't do my next rewrite program until January. Uh, it feels like a nice time at the first of the year, but that's I you know, come to Lumia, come come find me there. Um, I think'm I'm, I'm I'm now teaching three classes with Lumia, and if you probably asked me to teach four or five more, <laughs> I would. Um, I love it there. Um, but yeah, I come to my website come have a conversation, sign up for a, a coaching session with me and, and just see what the opportunities are possible in your own life.
1: Awesome. I know that all of your information is consolidated in one special place. Can you tell us where that is?
0: Sure. You can go to Linktree. dot There's a lot of double letters in that D E A N N A M O F F I T T dot com. So it's my link Awesome.
1: And we will put this in the show notes for everyone to find. Um, I've so enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for taking the time to share with me, hang out, and um explore the world of coaching through your lens.
0: Ah, oh, thanks, Noelle. I am forever in your
1: corner, my friend. Awesome. Same, same. Well we will talk soon. Everyone have a great day. Thanks for listening to Everything Life
0: Coaching. If you're feeling the draw to become a coach, head to lumiacoaching.com slash everything. Explore a new career that brings fulfillment, gives you a true sense of purpose, and a bold community to do it with.
1: Lumia is ready to equip you with the tools, training, and community you will need to reach your goals. If you're ready to build a unique coaching business on your own terms, while making an impact on the world at large, Lumia is the next bold step in your coaching journey. That's lumiacoaching.com slash everything. And hey, if you're waiting for
0: a sign, this is it.